and welcome to the 31st episode of the UU Hawk Show. This is Hannah. This is Sarah. This is Patrick. And this is Joe. Last time you slogged through some straight up garbage. Today it's mixed recycling. No, it's it's still garbage. Oh yeah. Hey man, no. there's compost and there's compost and recyclables in here. A lot of dog shit mixed in with it though. <laughs> So you have a show that's trying to stay sustainable, but it ain't working out. So <laughs> unlike some, of, uh, unlike most of the main anime tournament fights, these next fights only last one episode and barely. So the pain ends up quicker than you think. No spirit bomb power-ups here, so you better get ready. <laughs> Prepare for the awfulness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so trying to stay positive. Just uh-huh. real quick, uh, while Megan's not here, she's here in spirit. She uh, wrote most of these notes. I wrote that intro, but she wrote most of these notes, so uh, you'll feel her presence. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna start off with episode 108, "Farewell Karama" in Japanese, "Karama," a break with the past. It was released in Japan in November 19th, 1994, and then in um, the U.S. February 25th, 2006. So basically, um, things are about to get sappy and nonsensical, so get ready to suspend your disbelief because Shigure lost half his head um, a few episodes ago. It's the Shigure-Kurama match. Kurama refuses to fight as Yoko Kurama. Ian is severely outmatched, but using his wit and an intense amount of planning, he's able to come out the victor, and 13 Reasons Why defeats Shigure. That was striked out, but I said it anyway, so... Gotcha. Yeah, these summaries oh. were also... These synopses were also written by Megan. Okay, so we started <coughs> off with Karama calling his human mom to chat, and um, is then confronted by Yomi on Karama's betrayal, but with siding with Yusuke. And, like, there's this whole dialogue focus with Yomi understanding Karama and, like, how Karama plans, all the possibilities, which leads to, like, the betrayal. But, like, Yomi forgives him, I guess. Yeah, this is, like, so. the seed of, like, a cool idea, and then, like most things in this last season, just doesn't go anywhere. It just falls very flat. Yeah. You know? Like, like oh, that's a, that's a moment... Kind of thing. Yeah, I'd like to reiterate, all of us are fans of Yu Show, but this is this season's so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like this like knocked it down a bunch of notches on my from my top ten. Yeah, we can talk more about that at the end of this episode. Yeah. So, um, Karama and Shigure they begin their match, and there's this whole exposition he- heavy narration with Brown Yoda explaining that Shigure is a chiropractor. It's not like really the most applicable discipline of the demon world with the ability to manipulate demon abilities and can use a scalpel um, well as a way to, like, throw swords or something like that. No, he's just like, no, it's more like, it's more like he, one of the reasons why he's known as, like, most famous doctors in this in the demon world besides being able to affect abilities is because he can perform such complex surgery that mm-hmm. anyone without his level of precision would just kill all his patients uh, yeah like it said he had like millimeter millimeters upon millimeters of precision yeah it's so like crazy precision that sort of 
bring out that, oh, he's a deadly swordsman that can, you know, he knows what he's doing. He could kill, and he knows all the calculations to do it. Mm-hmm. Also, I like to point out that Yoda put brown Yoda... Uh, did I say Yoda put brown? Omega put brown Yoda. I kind of like that. I, that's kind of funny. I don't know. I got me chuckling a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what his actual name is. But Yoki... Uh, Yoni's... Y- Yuda or Yoda. Mm. Ooh, maybe it's Yuda. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like if we refer to him as Brown Yoda from now on. Why not? But um, another thing that's weird is like, so the whole he's a surgeon, so he's very precise. Justification would make sense if he was using like a weapon that required like a bunch of dexterity, like a really cool knife or something like that. But he's using a giant fucking hula hoop. I the last time I checked, that's not the same skill set as surgery. I don't know, like. I think maybe the way that he swings it and the precision of how he he like throws it, I guess. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Probably like what what Togashi was doing towards the end of this. Like, <laughs> if he was using like a rapier, I'd be like, okay, I get it. This is like a very dexterity based weapon. This isn't. I like the idea of you, you go into surgery and you see him bringing the giant hula hoop blades, and it's right as you're going under. It's like, don't worry, we know what we're doing. We have very good precision. All right, get the get the get the eye ready. What? <laughs> So just a little choppy chop. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. well, I, I guess if he was your doctor, he wouldn't give you an aesthetic, right? He doesn't do that. It's like, no. oh, well, you need to survive it. If you can't, then you won't be able to get the sweet powers. <laughs> I feel like this is uh, this is my impression of Shigure. Like, you know, like when you go in and he, you're terrified because he's using some huge blade. He's like, don't be a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so where are we at? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Shigure uses his hula hoop sword to chase Kurama around, and that kind of undersells it. He, like, spins himself into a tornado and is, like, running mm-hmm. after him, like, by flying or some shit. And Kurama, uh, reappears after a failed tornado-like attack, and <laughs> the, the narrator, uh, so, uh, Koto believes this is some sort of strategy, but, uh, like, Koenma basically believes, uh, he's trying to bring Yoko out. And then Megan basically says, isn't this the same thing that it is a strategy by trying to bring Yoko out? But whatever. That could be an artifact of the English dub, because I don't remember that weirdness in the Spanish. Mm -hmm. Well, he wasn't good enough to get Yoko out. Nice. So this then shows a prolonged flashback of uh, Kurama's journey to become more human and more humane. Um, it shows like a flashback of a scene that I think to this point probably occurred <laughs> earlier in the in the manga of like him remembering his human mother and him like falling out of like a cherry tree, mm-hmm. a cherry blossom tree. I mean, because um, those are yeah. two separate things. <laughs> uh, and like yeah, so Kurama chooses to stay in his human form, uh, seemingly leaving his demon form behind. That was pretty symbolic. I think it's probably one of my favorite parts of this train wreck. I mean, this arc. Yeah, I'd agree. It's it's pretty good, like, the idea of him, like, sort of leaving things in the past. I think it's not earned, because I think there's, like, 50 other episodes you would have needed for, like, a lot of the characters to get to the points they get to at the end of this. Like, this, I, we've mentioned this before, but this really does feel like the final season of Game of Thrones, where everyone got to the place you'd expect them to be, but, like, there should have been, like, mm-hmm. two or three more seasons between to make it make sense. Right. Yeah, I agree, because he rarely showed any conflict with, like, both sides, like, until this season, and it was, it's just kind of been kind of honed in, you know? Like, I think he's always been fully accepting that he's, like, not fully accepting, but, like, through, I don't know, it, yeah. It, it basically, a lot of Karama's 
character growth hasn't been necessarily with his past versus his present. It's more like with Amanuma, the game master, it was more like his cruelty, his more... De- oh, I guess in a way it kind of relates. It's, it's it, it, it makes sense. Like, I have to leave the past behind, leave the cruelty, the cruel person I was, and now be, like, this kinder person. It was just seemed like, like you said, Joe, there wasn't enough build-up to it. Like, there wasn't enough focus on his story arc, not enough background about Yoko, just more the people he affected, Mm -hmm. to really give any more depth to, like, his story arc. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, like, I've kind of said this before, but I feel the logical thing that would have happened during this saga rather than a tournament was, like, a war. And I could see them dealing with that theme much better through the lens of a war rather than a tournament, but it's just not what happened. Oh. Yeah, I think that's what it was going to be built up for. That's how it felt like, you know, friends against friends. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to do this, and it's, like, extenuating circumstances and have this whole morale thing of, oh, well... You know, when it comes down to it, even though friends do that, they gotta go to what's right, you know, and then at the end they, like, band together, but instead we just get this really dumb tournament arc with zero stakes. <laughs> yeah, that feels like, like an entire different series that would have had to have been made. Like, a 50-episode, a like, Gundam-ass series would have had to have been made. Yeah, I don't know. Like, this whole tournament arc has zero stakes in it. I mean, like, the like the other one, the, the Dark Tournament, it, there was, like, heavy stakes. Like, oh, people are gonna die. People are gonna suffer. But this one's like, oh, it's for funsies. Let's have a good time, guys. Let's, you know, wipe off our eyebrows and let's pat ourselves on the back and, you know, have a good old time, you know? Yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty bad. Um, but so next up, something happens that I th- Megan's notes, I'm they don't strike me as what I remember happening, but I'm curious if this is a dub or sub difference slash like mm-hmm. uh, English Spanish. But um, she describes it as Kurama uh, bringing out his uh, trump card of Okanenju roots that he planted on top of the floating islands thousands of years ago. I seem to remember that the trees just are Okanenju trees, and that like the big thing he's doing here is that he's basically using, he's basically demonstrating he has enough energy to wake up a tree that's been dead for thousands of years and bring it back to life. Which I think that's what she meant. Uh, I think she misunderstood it because the notes seem to indicate the opposite. I got you. Let, let's uh, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of got the idea that you know. Oh, he just used the the seeds to wake up the tree that was been there that's been dead thousands of years ago. I think in the dub, uh, did, Patrick, did you watch the Japanese or the? English I watched dub? the sub. We, in the English dub, it, it's more like what um, Megan wrote in her notes. Um, he explicitly says the Okaninja tree. You can never be too prepared. It's like, yeah, it, it's implied that he planted these seeds in this ground, in this particular island, thousands of years ago, mm. which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I think it might just been a dubism, because yeah. I remember it explained that way in the sub. I didn't watch the dub. Yeah, in the in the sub and Spanish version, he, if I remember correctly, basically says, like, hey, these plants are really old, but I've brought them back to life, and it's kind of supposed to be a metaphor on, like, revitalization and, like, light, like new life, basically. I'm guessing the, the people that that made this and that made the English dub basically were got the Togashi disease and just didn't care at this point, just wanted to end it. Yeah, I think it's also kind of showing, like, different, 
maybe a different take they wanted to go with Karama, like really emphasize like he's a he not omniscient, but he can prepare for anything. Yeah, and I, everything. Perhaps. Have you got? Have you guys seen Black Dynamite? Uh, I heard of it. Black Dynamite. Black uh, Dynamite. It's a great movie. That? It's a parody of like black exploitation, like detective oh, martial arts movies. It's really good. The reason I bring it up is there's a fight scene in the middle of the movie where he's fighting a dude, and then all of a sudden a razor blade boomerang flies in through a window and cuts off the other guy's arm, and he and then the main character just screams, "I threw that shit before I came in the room," you know, like <laughs> it's like impossible, like that he like foresaw all the shit that was gonna happen, and I'm just imagining like Karama being like, "I planted this shit thousands of years ago." <laughs> I knew this was gonna happen. He pulled some uh, some uh, Joseph bullshit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Shigure uh, is like charging at Kurama, and then at, he's breaking through a bunch of trees. Uh, but then at the last moment, one last branch grows and looks like it's gonna stab Shigure, but it actually just stops the uh, phosphorus ring. And Shigure, like you know, dodges out of the way, like practically like a teleportation. But then like a bunch of trees, tree branches, just like grow up right around him and like are threatening to like stab him and he submits at this point yeah it kind of uh it kind of reminds me of this card from magic the gathering called duress mm-hmm. where it ha- it's like all these swords pointing at this person and it's like you gotta discard your card from your hand that kind of what it reminded me of when i was watching it kind of unrelated sorry about that i but, think i've uh, seen that card yeah no the imagery is similar but yeah so then shigure like gives up and then in the anime only he decides to kill himself <laughs> For literally no reason, it's it's. I'm going to die for no reasons. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty. Like, it's it's supposed to be like, oh, I can't believe I've lost. You know, because that's like a common trope in like old samurai movies and shit. But like two things, Shigure's never really been a samurai type character besides that draw fight he had with you know besides that uh uh ei jutsu or bato jutsu fight he had with Hiei. And two, yeah. he's already lost one fight. So, like, he's like, yeah, I can't believe I lost a second time, so I'm going to kill myself. It's like, you should have done that after the first one? Did he just commit Sudoku? God damn it. Um, but, yeah, this only happens in the anime, where in the manga he survives and comments on the rest of the fights. So it's just, like, a totally nonsense, like, no reason <laughs> change. Yeah. Maybe they just got tired of drawing him. I mean, yeah. like, just, this character design was too complicated. It's hard to draw a circular sword like that, I feel like. Like, you know, the animator's like, we don't have the budget for this, let's just kill him off. And they, for- and they forgot they could just take out the sword and have, oh yeah, it just got stuck in the tree, we don't have to draw it again. <laughs> I think legit they just didn't want to draw him again. Like uh, like in DBZ where at the, uh, was, it was a Dragon Ball where they destroyed all those complex statues in the beginning of that tournament fight? I don't remember. Oh, they did that specifically because, you know, it was too hard to draw those statues. Mm. So, um, in the manga, when he's still around, after the tournament's over, I mean, spoilers, Shigure is, like, annoyed with Enki having won, because he basically says Makuro would have won if she had actually had her heart in it, mentioning that, like, her power level's actually beyond even Yomi, but she just didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Kurama, like, falls off the fucking tree and is caught by Yomi in this weird frenemy gambit they're going with, which would be cool if they actually did anything to earn this, but they fucking didn't. 
So, like, you know, Yomi basically just asks, like, yeah, you sure about what you're doing? And this is while everyone else is running to try to catch him, but, like, Yomi caught him way beforehand. And then Kurama's like, I think what I'm doing is right. And so Yomi puts him down, and then Yomi walks off, and then the others come up, and, like, you know, it plays that little, like, end-of-episode tune. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was just very lame. I don't know how else to describe it. It was just lame. It's shades of something good, and just totally fucks it up. That lame, makes it lame, worse lame, than lame, actually lame. being bad. I agree. Like, the potential would be great, but it just ended up not being great. For sure. Mm-mm. Yeah, so that's pretty much episode 108. Do you guys have any final thoughts on it? I think I I've said my to... piece. Yeah, I just, you know, it was like... It was a lackluster last fight for Kurama, so that was a little sad. Wait, doesn't Kurama fight somebody else later? I guess when he fights, does he fight? Uh, he fights somebody else later on, doesn't he? And he loses. He does. Yeah, remember because he he bring or maybe it was was that that same fight where he brings out his Yoko Yoko and then he puts it back. Like, I don't need this. I, or was it this no, fight? No, I, I think yeah, this is his this, last fight. Is... Okay, yeah. Sorry, I, I guess, think they I mentioned guess... he forfeits later. Okay, oh. that's probably why. I don't know. I, I like. I guess I kind of, I kind of got confused, but I don't blame myself for that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I got confused too, because honestly, you expect him to fight since he technically won the round. The formula is supposed to be two fight, one fight per two episodes, except this time they do one fight per episode, and it fucks everything up. Yeah, they did Dark Tournament. It's like, oh crap, we have how many episodes left? To, we only have how many episodes left to do this? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it saddens me that all the main characters have really lame last fights with the... Ex- like, Hiei has the least lame one, and it's still not mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least, it's, at least it, it has... It's, it's memorable, and, like, it, it's kind of good in, in some aspects. Yep. Yeah. And, so, speaking of which, episode 109, mm-hmm. Love and War, a.k.a... Oh, I w- oh, sorry? Oh, sorry. I wanted to start. I completely forgot. We posted on our timeline... That because we had issues with uh, posting on Facebook where it wouldn't show our posts, so we wanted to verify that it was indeed the case that our posts were being shown again. So I asked somebody that whoever posted on this post to that will give them a shouts out, shouts out, and say whatever they want us to say, no matter how controversial. And that winner was Mian Bazuila. I have no idea how to pronounce that name. Sorry, I think it and might have been just, Valenzuela. I don't remember Valenzuela. Anyways, they said poo inside. So. Congratulations, you you won. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways, uh, one our uh, episode one hundred nine, love and more, or the Japanese title Showdown, Hie and Makoro. Or did I get those reversed? No, that's right. No, okay, that's right. cool. It's getting harder to dis- disseminate, uh, or discern it now. Uh, real estate was December third, nineteen ninety four, in Japan, and March eighteenth, two thousand six, in America, or on Toonami. Or Adult Swim, wherever it's being posted, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and the synopsis is, get ready for one of the darkest individual character backstories in all of Yu Yu Hakusho, and it's worse than the manga. Is this real? Did you write this, Joe? I didn't write this. This is really it. You could ask, this, you could ask the twins. Well, this is Megan, isn't it? Uh, no, like so Megan? the part that it's in green is, like, part that I did, uh, and that's copy and pasted from the Yu Yu Hakusho wiki, but, like, yeah, that's, that's straight There's up. There's no cool. way that's a synopsis. synopsis. 
I'm oh, I'm pretty sure that. Oh, the synopsis? No, 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 no. That does not sound like That's the synopsis at all. <laughs> yeah, M- Megan wrote the synopsis. Yeah, I thought you were talking about like you were like, oh, is this real? Uh, no, the the I thought you were referring to the manga part where we explain Makuro's backstory, <laughs> which is actually the backstory. No, I was like confused. I I was always expecting the synopsis being like you know the official one. Oh yeah, it's like, this is Megan. Wait, this is on. I was gonna say that. Was, so I'll read it again. Synopsis: Gary for one of the darkest individual character backstories in all of you Hakusho, and it's worse than the manga. Much much worse, man. Anyways, in this one, Hiei and Morkoro duke it out. So yup. <laughs> and I I read that verbatim. It's actually pretty much. The entire episode. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I, I I can't imagine how bad the synopsis was from Reagan to write that. So, uh, uh, props to her for making it probably a lot more descriptive. <laughs> All right, so uh, and then it's Ta and Makora's turn to fight. They get in the ring and they look at each other very discerningly and have discussions about things. Uh, Kromo's badly wounded but refuses medical medical attention until Hiei battles. He wants to see how this plays out, and so do I. Even though I know it's going to be bad. Anyways, uh, are there no televisions in Demon World hospitals playing the important high school sports? Like, seriously, I mean, there's got to be... Like, didn't they have camera people in uh, the... Lo- no, they have a camera woman, They, they have camera yeah. people, and they also yeah. showed people watching it in a fucking love hotel when they're supposed to be having sex, so... Yeah, they got to... Well, maybe they're banging... Banging and... Was it banging and... Banging? banging? They're banging and watching the fight at the same time. That sounds like some... That's um, I all right. Some demon shit, right? There. Anyways, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Um, also, I like the the thing where the the lady gets blown away every single fight. The oh, camera woman. Yeah, that sucks for her. Every single fight. It looks like the same animation too. Probably is. Anyways, just like remember the the Titans, my favorite uh, prequel to Clash of the Titans, when the white dude gets hit by a car and watches the team play live on TV in the 1960s. Good year. And Megan's uh, just pointing out, like, shouldn't everyone be able to fucking see this? Uh, not if you're in Amer- in the in the human world. They I don't, guess. I guess the, the the satellites don't carry or something. I don't know. Like, Japan's weird. Anyways, uh, real Oedip- Oedipus complex hours. Who up? Uh, that, that's a note I wrote, and that's. Well, I'll explain more about that later. But the relationship that develops here is. Weird, uh, given relative yeah. ages and like a lot of things, but we can talk more about that because Makuro's about to dive into her backstory. I guess just so is uh, does that mean that he now joins the MILF squad with uh, Okiyasu and uh, and Cherry Boy? Yeah, I guess, yeah, he's part of uh, MILF Team Six. MILF Team Six, all right. So they took out the detail that Makuro was a sex slave in the manga from the anime, that was probably a good idea. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be weird to show this on TV and be like, oh, by the way, Makuro was a child sex slave. Well, they did show that demon orgy. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Man, this show really, like, uh, blurred the line between uh, Shonen and Seinen at various points and then comes back to Shonen at random points. <laughs> yeah. I think it comes to, like, Seinen when it comes to... Like, uh, things that don't really affect the main characters, and then what affects the main characters are, like, prominent, prominent supporting characters, and I'm like, eh, oh, let's, yeah. uh, take away some the of the worst details. I think you're right. <laughs> I think it gives, like, antagonists seinen backstories, and then keeps the action mm-hmm. shown in. Mm-hmm. So what does this mean? Ask Sarah and Hang- Hannah about happy birthday? So this will kind of go more into Makuro's backstory, so I think... 
if you go to explain more what her backstory is, and then we'll, we'll go back to what happy birthday is. So, um, if you mind, don't mind, Joe, I can, or do you want to take it or I can take this uh, one? You can take it, but before you do that, I really just want to quickly say something. Um, they point out a lot during this fight that it's a sort of a conversation in the manner of, did you guys watch G Gundam? Uh, we watch good TV shows, Joe, so no. Yeah, so G Gundam's terrible, but I love it. Uh, the reason I bring it up is half of that show is a bunch of people being like, they're fighters, so they talk with their fists. He's trying to convey a message with that kick. And I'm just thinking, like, man, this whole episode is just G Gundam is summarized in one episode. Man, imagine if, if Congress was like that. Instead of, uh, instead of debating in filibusters, they just have giant Gundam battles. That's the plot of G Gundam. You've unlocked it. Okay. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. G Gundam is effectively like, hey, what if... Oh, wait, no. G Gundam shares a lot with the end of Yu Hakusho, where it's straight up like, we have something like the Olympics, but it's martial arts, and uh, whoever wins this martial arts tournament now gets to rule the Earth for four years. I gotcha. All it right. is It is strikingly similar and also terribly a terrible idea. Gotcha. All right, so what are we doing? So... Uh, so what is Makura's power besides dimension splicing? Or slicing? I guess splice. Would that technically be splicing? Uh, I think it's slicing, but, like, they don't really make it explicit, like, how it works or why it works that way. It just, that really confused me, because, like, you see her slicing up these, like, like, the sky, basically, and then it's all shiny and sparkly, but then it acts as a web. Yeah. Like, they were describing it as a web, and I was like, that makes... No fucking sense. Yeah, that's not that's not how that would fucking work. <laughs> yeah. Kind of reminds me of the hand, except a little bit better. Oh, uh, that's a JoJo stand for anyone wondering. Sorry. Oh wait, which season? Four. Four. Oh, guess oh, what? I'm about to approach that. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say, guess who's actually watching uh, JoJo now? Woo, Hannah! Yay! <laughs> we are my fiance and I are on season four, episode five. Nice. Well, one of the characters gives fucking mad sick hand jobs. Just gonna say. <laughs> uh, Exciting. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's not what happens. Anyways, okay. So who wants to explain I'm the backstory? I'm pretty sure that's what happens, Joe. Who wants to explain the backstory? I, All right. I can. Oh. oh, you can go. So. Okay, I can explain it. So, in the anime, Makoro's um, backstory goes like this: She was abandoned as a baby on a freezing cold, snowy night. And then she was found by a wealthy humanoid demon who then became her, quote-unquote, father. In the manga, it's quite different and very graphic. So basically, the demon who finds her places a microchip in her to show the, quote-unquote, goodness in him. So whenever she thought of justifyingly killing him, the chip would activate and then show how good he was to her. So almost... Like a gaslighting, brainwashing situation, right? Yeah. Wow, that's uh, yeah. Um, so she is a, basically a slave um, to this demon, and oh, that's so fucked up. He he had her um, organs surgically altered in a way that her quote unquote father Chiku would be able to quote unquote play with her that much easier. So basically changing her to a sex slave, um, and he would then like rape her for on her birthdays as a present. Ugh, this is so fucked up. Wow, I'm <laughs> I'm actually kinda happy they cut it. I was I was actually kind of 
Like, wow, what kind of backstory is that? She was just locked up in chains and then escaped and then yeah. fell in a river. And then she has a chains. Like, what kind of story is that? But going to be honest, uh, props to whoever decided to cut that because that was a good choice. It would have yeah. been a lot for one episode of TV. <laughs> It would have been a lot for any episode of anything, period. Yeah, like, this is fun. It's like, I guess with the thing with media, of course, like, there are stories to be told, and you can't discount everything, but sometimes if it's, like, the short story, like, the background for a supporting character towards the end of a series, why would you throw something as heavy as this into it. Like, this is some shit that, even if you put this... This is like some berserk shit right here. <laughs> it, it is. I, I feel that this only makes sense if you have a 50-episode long season to deal with the Demon World War. Right. Yeah. And then you would have time to actually know, get to know Murkuro yeah. beyond this, like, tragic story. Exactly. And this was in Shonen Jump? Her. Uh, yeah, this was in Shonen Jump. <laughs> what no, the yeah. hell? Ugh. It's not as it is. I want to say if I remember, they don't show anything. Yeah, just, they like, just tell you. Yeah, it's like it's not explicit graphically. Yeah, but it's just the idea of it. It's just like huge. Oof. So eventually, um, when she's seven years old, she pours acid all over her head in order to basically, um. What's the word for it? Avoid, sort of, uh, make herself more ugly for yeah. him or something? Like, she basically yeah. kind of, like, injures her own body, makes her, disintegrates half her body, basically. And um, so that way she looks undesirable. Um, and only left her left side completely unharmed. Um, the, her, Chiku, that guy, he tosses her out, um, which she describes as a rebirth of sorts. Um, she eventually replaces her damaged limbs with robotic parts, and she swore from there on to seek power at all costs, and eventually gained a reputation for violence, becoming one known as the most lethal and ruthless fighters in the demon world. She covered her face with bandages, and... This led to many um, believing that she was a man because she never revealed her identity to anyone. Please tell me she comes back and murders the shit out of this guy. Uh, we'll talk. I mean, and if, if you guys want to tell him what happens, you can right now, or we could wait till the end of the episode. Um, let's do wait till the end of the episode because I think it's a good way to kind of wrap up their story. Yeah. Um, it's manga only. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. No. Uh, that was pretty. Um disturbing yeah <laughs> wow uh tagashi what are you doing <laughs> seriously like dude half-assed pulls for all stories and then let's just put in like some of the worst shit ever for like five like maybe like two frames of a manga i, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like when he conceived makuro he had this idea for the backstory and then when he like prospectively scaled back how much he wanted to do with the uh, Demon World Saga, he's like, well, I still have this cool backstory written, uh, so I'm gonna fucking put it in, even if I don't have any of the context anymore. And so he just, like, shoved it in, and then, like, years later was probably like, fuck, without the context, this just seems insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing you kind of, whoever, either him or the company pulled that, because, man, that was, uh, needlessly brutal and contributed zero I, to the overall story. I, I don't think it... I think it, like, establishes a lot of Makuro's character, but, like, yeah, 50 episodes. We need 50 episodes of another fucking season for it to work. 
Like maybe maybe do that in like that episode where she's talking, revealing herself to Hiei. Yeah. And explain that, but like here it's like, uh, okay. It's like, I, yeah, I you're talking about this in a televised broadcast, dog. Yeah, let's. Uh, anyways, uh, so Makuro, based on I can't even say that you go, uh, you go for that. Makuro is somewhat based on uh, Kushana Todomekia from uh, Nausicaa. That's one of the villains, but she's like she's like a respectable villain because uh, I think Miyazaki kind of goes out of his way to make villains that like have like a reason for what they're doing and have good to them as well. Like if you look at Princess Mononoke, like one of the villains there is like housing a bunch of like uh, former prostitutes, uh, you know, who like escaped their terrible like sex trafficked lives. But she is like a villain in her relation to Princess Mononoke. But like, you know, everything's a shade of gray in Miyazaki's world. So I think, um, Togashi was kind of pulling from the idea of Shades of Grey villains. Mm, that makes Man, sense. that reminds me of how much I like Princess Mononoke. Holy shit. It's a great movie. It's such a good movie. I, I really I need to read Nausicaa because I've heard like amazing things about the manga versus the uh, anime movie. Yeah, that reminds me. It's not Nausicaa. I want to watch Kiki's Delivery Service again. That one's such a cute one. I, lo- I love the cute one. The cute, uh, the cute Ghibli ones. But, uh, but anyway, so the the spatial cutting would be more like an infinity sharp blade than a burn. Yeah, as we explained earlier, like if you really had spatial cutting, it would be an infinitely sharp blade that if you went over, your shit would just be cut in half, as opposed to burning you the way fucking Hiei gets hurt, which doesn't make any yeah. sense. So it'd be like those lasers in Resident Evil. Yeah, uh, exactly. Movie. Like I think even the spectators watching like Kurama with um. Like Toya and all them, they're saying, "Oh no, he's trapped in this web. He's gonna get cut up to pieces." And then when he like accidentally brushes against one, it's that burn. I was like, "Wait a second, isn't he supposed?" I was expecting you know, like the in blood, and you know, like so. a cut, not a sizzle. Yeah, so that was just bad. She's roasting him left and right. <laughs> uh, according to so, is this Jr. as in it's supposed to be? Sort of it's supposed to be Junior, corner? I think. Uh, Junior like Kuma because I keep saying Jr. So I think either the Tolkien. wrestling announcer or the oh my god Jr. Jr. or the um or uh, Jr. from uh, Dallas. Yeah, no, both of those are both of those are good. <laughs> Can you please do an impression of Jr. the announcer? Hello! or whatever. I can't. That's pretty. Or my voice is shot. We're, yeah. we're good. We're good. Literally just yelling. Imagine Anyways. if Jr. fucking commented the Dark Tournament. How fucking weird that would be. Oh my god, call the call the ambulance now or Kotu call get, ambulance. Or... Would get pissed. Her star her spotlight would be stolen. <sighs> I don't think she could handle a JR. She couldn't even handle a jury. And then and then John Cena comes in the arena. Oh, okay. I, I wonder how right. many people have done like really weird concept Halloween costumes where it's like, I'm JR R. Tolkien and so it's a guy just like commenting <laughs> Lord of the Rings but like in JR's voice. They should do a three for a three for a JR JR token. Have a gunshot in him. I'm down, but yeah. So uh, Makuro wants Hiei to find himself, so she traps him in a spatial cutting cage, and so Hiei brings out the uh, Jagan Eye and the Dragon of the Darkest Flame. But uh, Makuro and him struggle with the you know with the dragon, and there's some very Akira style name yelling, you know, Kaneda Tetsuo, but it's Makuro Hiei. My favorite, my favorite thing is how they didn't even bother lip syncing it. 
Oh, there's like this part where it's like there's yelling and her lips just keep moving up and down. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that blew me away that the English and Spanish parts are actually better lip synced for this part than the Japanese. It's it's amazing. It's like, it's like why would you do this? It's like they definitely wrote it in at this point. Yeah, it's um, it's real sad how this goes. But um, so this is kind of a like a redo of the Bui versus Hie thing of struggling with the dragon, but they kind of go the opposite direction with it, where Makuro, instead of turning it back, fucking splits the dragon in half uh, and defeats Hie, but, you know, explains that the dragon <coughs> fed off the intentions of Hiei's soul, so Hie couldn't control it consciously, is what Megan wrote. And I don't remember that exact sentiment, but I'll just go with it. This is some real subtle innuendo going on here with this dragon thing. Yeah, so Hiei then concedes... Really, oh, sorry. Really going with that Oedipus things you brought in. No, I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a bit. Uh, but Hiei concedes, everyone is confused, and Koenma explains the dragon wasn't intended to kill. It was meant to break her chains. And then all of a sudden her chains disintegrate, which she had been shown in flashback <laughs> as being unable to break herself. And, you know, they're kind of going for, like, a, oh, we've unlocked each other's hearts. Only us, both horrible victims of abuse, can really understand each other. And, like, <laughs> it's kind of good. Like, it is the seed of a really good romance. If they had 50 more episodes, I'm telling you. Imagine the kids, though. Yeah, man, that's... I don't think Hiei would want kids. I'm going to put that out there. I don't know. I think he could be a good Vegeta. Oh, yeah, like he'd have a Trunks? Post, sorry, post, post Cell Saga Vegeta. Oh, okay. Oh. Sorry, not, not that, yeah. Sorry, I, I want to iterate that because he kind of is like a dickhead during that, that arc. Uh, oh, you could, you could absorb the androids and get stronger? Well. Um, Vegeta, no. Vegeta, yes. But, uh, real quick, uh, yeah, so some of the details that we said we would get to later that we can talk about now. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the edible thing first, or the happy birthday thing first? Let's do the edibles first. <laughs> so, it's almost the Oedipus complex is because Hie and Okuro have a simultaneously romantic yet familiar relationship going on. It's just like... Rikuro's like a, almost like a sweet old mother figure to him, but not at the same time. Uh, and, homicidal mommy. And to go to go to go with that, like in the uh Azo Hakusho uh like music video OVAs, when they oh, show yeah. Hiei's one, his character song, like there's a part where he like it's basically showing him like this is all a music video, showing him try to pursue his mom who's like frozen in ice, like metaphorically, or like there's a metaphorical image, but then when it gets closer, it's Makuro. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, the song's really pretty. It's uh, it's Kuchi Buye Gakukeru Yo or something like that. It's like uh, I hear the wind whistle. Uh, it's a really pretty song. We can we can play it sometime when we do the episode about Yu Hakusho music. But it's really weird that like you know his mom turns into his love interest. Yeah. Um. Yikes. Yeah, and when you think about it. All the kind of imagery, like he ate in the healing pod. That's basically a symbol, a symbolism for the uterus. <clears throat> yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. Uh, yeah, th there's a lot of 
And, like, he was, like, for half of the series, he was, like, you know, searching for his mom and then his mom's legacy. Because I, he wasn't aware that his mom was dead until he got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it was, like, his mother's legacy. So there's some weird, uh, there's some weird shit going on here. Like, a lot of weird shit no going shame on. to anyone for having, like, mom issues. Weird shit for being attracted to someone who you see as a new mom. Uh, um... Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not to respond. I don't know uh, where you're Welcome going with that. to the Yu uh, the Yu Yu Haku kink shaming hour. <laughs> yeah, if you have a mommy and daddy kink, I'm gonna kink shame you. Sorry. No, I mean, if you if like that, you're not Jojo actually said. related, I guess go for it. But if you're really projecting your actual mom onto your lover, maybe like take a step back and think about it. <laughs> You don't need your partner to be your fucking mom. So yeah. I mean, but I guess Makuro <laughs> wants to be. To be fair, though, though, I mean, what? He's just a milf, just fan of those mature ladies, you know. Cute I mean, she's she's literally milf. thousands of years mature. So yeah, I mean, uh, she's the finest wine. I guess I don't know. Is, is age really uh, like age after like a hundred really matter at this point? But Especially okay, when they look- so it's ambiguous also whether he is fourteen or ninety nine. That is something we've talked about in previous episodes <laughs> that he is anywhere between those two ranges, between like, that I, range. Like, like he's a demon for God's sake. So he's you know, yeah. not to mention aren't the the maidens? They all look twelve, but they're all like a hundred or something or something. No, I mean crazy. no, no, no. There are maidens that look old as hell. Like remember the ones that look like actual like old women. I've always thought I that guess, was but... kind of like an Asian adoration sort of thing. Like they can live up to like maybe a thousand and look like completely young, but as soon as they hit a thousand and one, one they start <laughs> cracking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, I'm down with that theory, but I'm just going to point out that we're having to extrapolate to get to it. Yeah, I don't know. Like the age is weird, and like not even just Yu Yu Hakusho, but anime in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. At least in fantasy stuff, you know. I mean, yeah, it's for like sure. High school, we know. can talk about that shit. That's 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 some weird shit, especially given modern trends regarding being attracted to child-looking characters and such. Oof. Yeah, I'm actually a thousand. Yikes. Um, yeah, but yikes. So speaking about like the happy birthday thing, so oh, God. this is actually takes place um, after the manga ends. So. It's kind of like one of those, like, let's follow up with our favorite characters. And um, with Makuro, on her birthday, um, Hiei brings the her former abuser, Chiku. And he's not dead, per se. He's almost, do you remember, Hannah? He's like in, almost like in a vegetative state, like beginning to a pulp. Yeah. Isn't and he, then... like, attached to something that keeps him alive, kind of like the sinning tree? Yes. Yeah, so he's like also like internally suffering, and he is his like happy birthday, and she's like touched because her. <laughs> you, he, I, I don't know what else to say. Like she's just because her creepy child boyfriend her, brought like her former abuser, but now he's being like tortured for eternity, and she can like 
rip his limbs off and they'll grow back and shit. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Oh, oh this is the best birthday present I've ever gotten here. Some Thank you. Some people like flowers. Some people like chocolate. You some know. people like, you revenge. know, revenge. You know, some like their exes, you know, being forever alive and being able to regenerate their body parts and ripping them to pieces. Pretty you much. know, the, the little things, you know. Those cute little things that makes it all memorable. <laughs> Only yeah. torture things. Yeah, so that's the happy birthday thing that I know of and how it relates to this episode and Mercuro's past specifically. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that's that's pretty much it. Like, you've set them up to have, like, this weird relationship, this weird mommy-son thing going on and bringing former weird sex traffickers into the picture. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this is the darkest episode of Yu Show. (laughs) But it was still, like, dark. It was almost like a... Not, like, truly dark, but more like they put, like, a black film over it and were like, okay, let's color this dark, but still have, like, the deepness of a shonen anime. Mm-hmm. Well, well, shonen well, anime can't be deep. It's just... I don't know. It just didn't dwell into it like it should have. What yeah. year did this come out, manga-wise? Uh, nineteen ninety four. Oh, I know the anime, but it's like, was the manga like at the, like it's the same time or is it a little bit? No, the manga before? was earlier. Oh, I think Yu Hakusho, the manga might may, may have ended in early ninety three. Oh, okay. I was gonna say maybe Tugashi picked up Doom or something and thought you know he wanted to do something metal. <laughs> I mean, he he's described edgy. like a bunch of his influences as like horror movies and like his one of his previous series was about like. A Yakuza getting his son to de- date a demon. So, like, I don't know. I got you. And the cute way is, like, the evil way. Like, half, is it, like... Half and half. I got you. Because, like, like, you know, you can say that, but, you know, there's, like, you know, the slice of life that have that, but, you know. Yeah, and it's, like, the it's half and evil half. demon ones. Also, his... Also, Tagashi's younger brother was, like, a hentai artist. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, things you find out by reading Sensei Hakusho, which we will cover uh, in a future episode. Imagine, imagine the discussion at the dinner table. All right, honey, how are you? Or like at Thanksgiving or whatever the Japanese Christmas with KFC. Uh, it's like, how are you doing, honey? Oh, that's good. My my famous Yu Hakusho made this. Like, how about you, Jenny? Oh yeah, my fa- my or, jo- or whatever his name is. How's your your hentai thing going? Oh, that's good. I sold a thousand copies of my my neighbor's a demon. Demon Daddy, Volume 5. Yeah, we can get into this more uh, later, but, like, with the Sensei Hakusho thing, I think when they introduce his brother, like, Togashi's like, yeah, my brother's also a mangaka, and then he's like, no, I draw erotica. (laughs) (laughs) She's an erotica. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's pretty great. Um, But yeah, so, episode 110, A Reason to Fight, aka My Power, This Is My All. Release date, December 3rd, 1994. Wait, this came out the same day as the other one? Maybe they just ended the series with, like, one of those, like, last end-of-series marathons. Maybe. Um, It's like, hey, this is a piece of shit. Let's throw all three of them at the same time and hope they don't notice. Yeah, so December 3rd, 1994, March 18th, 2006. A synopsis, the last big fight is on us. Uh, (laughs) I think that's supposed to be upon us, but, like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) With Yomi and Yusuke. (laughs) The last big fight is on us. Oh, damn, Put your fist of fashion clips, Mike. <laughs> and, and we are gearing up for action? 
<laughs> wow, Megan really just like is unsure about what's going on here. After Yusuke has a five minute flashback and existential crisis in the middle of the fight, Yusuke repeatedly shoots off his spirit gun infused with demon energy, penetrating Yomi's shield. The fight continues on. All the innuendos. That's pretty much the whole episode. Oh my god, these notes are real short. <laughs> Alright, um, I think, uh, so all the round matches are, end up happening at the same time, so it's like Natsume and Mercuro and one of the other, um, of uh, Ryzen's friends with the beret, and he's like a lizard versus someone else. And more importantly, it's Yomi and Yusuke. Um, plot twist, the demons are now voting for Yusuke. Versus before, they were calling for his blood during the dark tournament and really any time that Yusuke was fighting. What a glow up. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing is, I think they don't have the, that bird person isn't there anymore, or that cat lady in the background. Oh, don't okay. say he's whispering into the audience, <laughs> or the, the cat lady that's yelling in the back. They, they weren't invited back. Or they died in the, in the dark tournament, so. Yeah, so this fight is kind of just a massive dick measuring contest, and includes a lot of power, powering <laughs> up, um, inspiring the other two fights. To, that are happening at the same time. Yeah, like it with the one with Natsume and Makuro, they're like, they, they like are fighting and then they stop and then they sense the energy levels and like, let's show these boys how it's done and they start fighting. (laughs) And the other one. Big deck energy's like going around town and everyone's just like, hell yeah, bro! I did like, um, in the English dub, um, the Ryzen's friends, and they're fighting each other. One of them's like, I'm going to beat up your stupid purple beret. <laughs> Why do they hate the French? Oh, yeah. So no, I'm, kinda... I'm hoping it's like that dude's been wearing a beret longer than France has existed as a country, so France got it from him. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, wait, he took my accent and my beret for me. True facts, true history. <laughs> Demon appropriation. Don't ever do it. So Yomi, uh, he almost pushes Yusuke out of the ring, but just stops short of doing so. Um, instead, he takes a stance where, where basically he's inviting Yusuke to a hand-to-hand um, combat. And then it goes out to like, Kurama and um, friends, and they're Kurama's commenting like, Whoa, what is Yomi doing? Yusuke can't resist a fight to go fist-to-fist. And everyone's just like, yeah, he's gonna get terminated. And Yusuke's like, alright, you wanna go, bro? And Yusuke goes. And Yusuke does land a solid punch. Um, he's almost surprised about how it actually lands. He's like, oh, hey, whoa, where did this come from? Also, um, the way he- that Yomi flies away from the punch is the least physically conceivable thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's almost... <sighs> Because it's not just like, oh, he flies in a straight path. It's almost like he makes like a a loop. He corkscrews upwards with his legs going first. And (laughs) it looks like he's being pulled by wires up into the ceiling. The the wire guys got lazy. But my favorite thing is about about this part, though, is that, you know, I actually was was surprised at how it was going to end. Not because, uh, you know, typical shonen thing, you know, he gets up, obviously, but... Because it was so bad of an arc, I expected Yusuke to punch him, and that was it. <laughs> Just like that's it, like like that's the end of the fight. And it's like I'd be like, I I wasn't disappointed that you know that it's already set so low. How low could it go? 
That's why it surprised me. I thought that was going to be a like a legit surprise me him getting it up just based on that fact. Yeah. And so Yomi comes back and he's ready to trade. He basically he and Yomi, Yusuke and Yomi, start trading blows with Yomi having almost the upper hand because Yusuke decides to have an existential crisis in the middle of their fight, being. What am I fighting for now? I don't know what's happening. And he has a bunch of flashbacks of his fights for Sensui and his fights with Toguro and reminiscing and reflecting about how he felt that he had the drive to fight them because they also had the drive to make something happen that would put not only his friends and family in danger, but also the whole world in danger. But he can't find that same purpose within the fight with him and Yomi because at the end of the day, he doesn't really care about fighting for power and ruling the demon world. Yusuke is like... Yusuke is implicitly acknowledging how meaningless this fight is. Yeah, he's just like, oh, bro, I got a bet. This is a dumb idea, and now we're regretting it, but we're here now. It's like surprisingly meta because everyone is thinking... Us as the audience thinking, why is this fight happening? And yeah. he's case thinking the same thing. <laughs> we'll talk about this more later, but like straight up, I think this is a very much a product of Togashi being like worked to death right now in his depression, where he's realizing that like, oh, Yusuke fought all these fights for other people, not for himself. And he's like, what am I doing? I'm writing manga for other people, not for myself. And then, uh... so this feels like a lot of like depression self-talk. But then, like, you know when you're depressed, you don't even want to really go through with that. So, like, basically, Togashi's like, this is my very lazy, incredibly labored attempt at depression self-talk. It's just like him writing to himself. Just exactly. Just depression stupor, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and I, I earnestly believe that this is, like, a big thing in Yu Hakusho versus Hunter Hunter that we will talk about when we get to Hunter Hunter about the idea of being pressed by other people versus, like, going off on your own. Yeah. So, in the fight, there's a point where Yomi, like, Yomi, did you already say, like, Yomi was punching him and stuff like that? Yeah, they're, um, like, Yomi basically just wailing yeah. on Yusuke. Yeah, so, like, there's a flashback to Keiko and Ryzen's voice is like, hey, dude, there's something back home there's something, there's a reason why you're here, and then there's flashbacks to, like, Keiko and her saying, like, I'm probably gonna get a boyfriend before you come back, and stuff like that. And then, um... Well, they, they didn't have that at all in the Japanese one. It was like, uh, it's like three years. I'll see you in three years, all right? Oh, yeah. In the American version, she's like, yeah, whatever, I'm probably gonna find someone by then, because I'm tired of this BS. And, like... Probably would be the smart move to do. Yeah. Kegel ain't wrong, but <laughs> what? Uh, and then <laughs> bad DBZ fanfiction. That's what the notes say. I, I've never read DBZ fanfiction. No, I, I'm so just I, saying. I, I'm just saying. This is just like bad a bad DBZ fight. You know, they're like, "What am I fighting for?" And just like punching each other with like no content to it whatsoever, no character <laughs> development. It's just like yeah. it's very su- surface level. Yu Hakusho is one of my favorite shows of all time, and this is terrible. Yeah. Reminds, that why am I fighting for reminds me of the Mega Man X4 with Zero. That's exactly what I was going for. Could you do an impression of that real quick? Uh, what am I fighting for? That's what I was going for with that note, actually. Uh, Man, that, that that was awful. Thank God they switched to Japanese voices for the X6. Yeah. God. So, 
eventually in the fight, once he's kissed taps out of it, thanks to his good old demon daddy reminding him of important <laughs> stuff in life, Yusuke saps out of his stupor, and then he starts fighting back, and he has, he has like the Mazuku tattoo show up on his body, and he counters um, all Yomi's attacks with a sh- spear gun, but instead of like a regular spear gun, he's using his demon energy, so it's like this red beam. Yoga. And it doesn't have any effect on Yomi because he has his base, his, his own powers, which kind of look like a force field like a spear force field that can um, absorb or or it either absorbs or it just deflects the demon energy. It's really unclear. Um, yeah, it's really unclear. But Yusuke keeps on going at it and shooting at him. Um, and it's not until like, he realizes that he's actually mixing some of his spirit energy with his demon energy. And then when you do realize that, Yomi realizes it too because his shield starts having cracks in it. Um it reminds me a lot of that uh, the playground thing where it's like I'm shooting you with the super gun while I have the armor to penetrate it. Oh, but my bullets have the reiki that lets it go through it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and eventually, it unlocks um, the sekoki. Oh, uh, that's uh, that's uh, Sensui's uh, sacred energy. Oh, because it's gold, just like um. Yeah, the implication being that yeah. Yusuke now has a, like an undifferentiated like love for all of like reality and is trying to like save the world. Okay. okay. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah, so, it manages to break um, Yomi's shield, and then they just end up trading punches again. Yeah, and that's how the episode ends. It's some shit. <clears throat> all right. No, it's just shit. I, yeah. I, I, again, I want to reiterate, I think there's a bunch of really good latent ideas here that could have been done better over the course of, I don't know, 50 episodes. Yeah, there's a reason why I keep saying that. It's because it's true. Yeah. This was shit. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Otherwise, I'm going to say, let's just move on because there's not much to say. Yeah, I, don't know, we... I, I don't know what to say. Uh, Yusuke is a little bitch, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Sadly, in this one. Yeah. Okay, so... Let's go to episode 111, Closure, in Japanese, Concluded, The End of the Conflict. Well, the, US, the English title is such a lie, Closure, that's the exact opposite of what this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so such the, a blatant lie. <laughs> so the release date in Japan was December 10th, 1994. In America, um, <laughs> it was, or the... The U.S. Um, it was March twenty fifth, two thousand six. Don't even read the um, synopsis because that's just that's left over. That's a stub from when I left it to Megan. It's just oh, the, um, the synopsis yeah, says uh, it racist. <laughs> we found the um, yes, a, it's very racist. <laughs> we found a a wiki summary, so I'm going to say it right now. Go for it. Um, as the two combatants release all their power, they simultaneously hit each other, with Yusuke <laughs> being rendered unconscious, and Yomi barely remains standing. Ultimately, a weakened Yomi proves unable to win the tournament, and, oh my god, this spoils everything. I'm just going to say, and someone else wins, and then blah, 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 some stuff happens. So let's go to the summary. Yeah. yeah essentially, essentially, it is racist. Okay. No, and so that's spelled R-A-I-Z-S-T, raced. <laughs> yes. 
Um, basically, what happens is that Yusuke releases his catastrophic spirit gun blast that pretty much nukes everything around them, but not nuking to the point where it kills the actual people, just the surroundings, just to clarify. To be honest, it should have probably killed everybody, like in like in the Dark Tournament. Yeah, that would have been a lot, made a lot more sense, but, I mean, this arc... Has a lot of plot holes and and a lot of plot. The answer is plot armor. Plot armor. That's right. Thick layer plot armor to protect (laughs) them. So um, basically, Yomi and Yusuke walk out of the fire and the smoke, and they like exchange friendly banter in DBZ like battle. Are they flying? That's the notes. I mean, they Um, they are flying. Yusuke demonstrated his ability to fly even when he was fighting Sensui. Yeah. Maybe it's like Jotaro where it's like he jumps in the air, but it's like it's like they're they're floating and stuff. It's yes. like just a lot of high prolonged jumping. <laughs> um basically then Yomi um Kami Kamihas Ugh, I can never pronounce it. Kami- I mean it's sp- it's spelled wrong Kami- there anyways. Oh, okay. Kamihamas. Yes. <laughs> that's that's, like, a, that's a, like a delicious dish. Yeah. Kamihamas. I would love to have some of that. <laughs> Basically, blasts Yusuke to the ground, uh, but Yusuke's fighting back, you know, and they face each other for the final exchange. And then, um, for some reason, it goes back to Kurama, and Kurama's having, like, a mysterious vision of Kuwabara. You know, just, just basically damage. remarking about how great Yusuke is and how he's got him, like, on the ropes or some shit. Oh, I thought it was just him having some brain damage after getting hit in the face a couple times by Makoro. Yeah, why not? He's spiritually there is effectively what they're trying to say. So not Makoro, Blade Man. Sorry. <laughs> so um, Yusuke is now reflecting as he's fighting about about all the people who care about him. And then... Um, uh, he says there's... every every party comes to its end in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was just a nice line. Kind of going with the Yusuke party sayings and alcoholic sayings and shit. Yeah. I like that. This last exchange is kind of cool if you don't mind, like, a hand-to-hand thing. Like, in the middle of it, Yusuke pulls, like, a really good judo shoulder throw, but, like, uh, Yomi, like, rolls right out of it, like, the way you're supposed to. And, like, it's actually pretty cool animation. There's just no, like, plot force behind it, so it just feels stupid. Mm -hmm. Lots of good drawings. Yeah, so uh, it shows, you know, all their supporters with Hokushin having manly tears, saying, if only your father could see you now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Yomi and Yusuke punch each other um, with such strength that everything around them actually disintegrates. Um, We hear Koto counting as Yusuke struggles to stand up, and there's a subtle transition into him then waking up in a hospital with bandages. Um, it, he wakes up days later with the tournament now over. And then, um, it goes back to Yomi, and he's back at it with, um, his, with his symbolism of fatherhood being the catalyst for personal growth. And so, oh. um, I think at some uh, point... Let me do this part, Joe. Yomi was like, Kurama me dio mucho gusto volvi ar vete. Peroso si yomi nu puerder ver XD. No, no, no. That, that, so that, I was that watching. Means, I was watching on YouTube. That, I was that, watching that the Spanish version. Yeah, that means basically Karama is DL. Much good. No, none Volvo of this is true. A 
It's JoJo reference, guys. JoJo. No, so I was watching. I was watching this in the Spanish version, and like Yomi and Kurama are talking, and you know, Yomi says, you know, Kurama, it uh, gives me a lot of pleasure to have seen you again. Uh, and that was someone quoting it in the comments, and their comment then said, "But Yomi can't see." <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Interlingual puns, baby. <clears throat> it's like the uh, it's like that one thing. Wasn't it with Ray or something? No, it's like uh, Kakuin's like I see, and he has the bandages on his face. Oh yeah, god damn it! <laughs> that, was, that one and there's um and um I don't know if you guys play Near Automata, but uh, in, uh, I haven't. There's, there's one point where the uh, B2... Uh, 2B. I think 2B basically like, I see, but she has, she's blind. She's like bandages on her face too. <laughs> so I was like, how do you see? You can't. You're blind, lady. Lol. Yeah, I so the other kings lose in their later matches, partially because either their hearts weren't in it or they had used too much energy in their previous matches. And so I, I wrote here that I kind of like that this is like a form of deconstruction because they didn't really go through with one of the others winning. But at the same time, it really just feels lazy given what happened during the rest of this season. If it happened in something where they earned it, I would see it, but like not really yeah. here. They need to speed this up, Joe. They had two episodes left to finish this, so. Yeah. And they had like 50 million fights left. Yeah, and so who ends up being the winner of the Demon Tournament? It's da 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 Enki. He wins, you know. Demon you Daddy. Demon Daddy. Well, I meant the other demon, the the alive Demon Daddy. <laughs> he, like, He's he Demon Dad Bod. Dad Bod. Yeah. He is very much a sitcom dad with the angry wife. He's like <laughs> um, the King of Hills of the human world. <laughs> Fucking Hank Hill, Demon Hank Hill. <laughs> I think I think this, Enki is chiller than any sitcom dad I've ever seen. King of Queens, that's the one. Fucking like, James. <laughs> James. James, what's his name? Uh, the, the fat man from Paul Blart, oh, Mark Oh, God. And then his um, Coco is Le- Leia Remini. <laughs> oh, Kevin Kevin James is that his name? Ke- oh, why does it say J- James? Oh yeah, James. Oh yeah, it's yeah. His so last name. Enki, aka Demon Kevin James, he wins the tournament. A Demon Paul Blart. <laughs> Paul Blart, uh, Demon Cop. And his first decree as ruler, he has two rules. Um, that every three years, um, the, there will be a new demon tournament to determine new ruler. Um, so basically, rule, every ruler has a three-year term. Um, and that there should be no mischief making in human world. So... Because he's like, yeah, demons have been fighting all the time. You should just chill out. And mostly everyone in the demons was like, okay, bro. (laughs) We need to eat humans, but we we won't fight them. (laughs) And he's like, anyways, here's Wonderwall. Yeah. And that's essentially pretty much it from him. I don't know why. Like, uh, I I guess it's kind of like comedy. It's Mm -hmm. like, I guess. I don't don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, basically, Yomi decides to have, like, a road trip to train his bratty little son, Shura. And Shura's like, I could have beaten you, okay? I could beat you, too. And, like, you're like, okay, kid. (laughs) How rude. Yeah. And then we go back to Yusuke talking to Koenma, and Koenma's like, you dummy, you did dummy things again, and these kids like, hey, it worked out. And then there's basically narration, blah, 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 and 
Guess who's revealed to be our famous announcer? Narrator. Narrator. Announcer, mm-hmm. na- narrator. Same thing. Mm-hmm. But, da 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 It's George! Or Jorge. Or Jorge! <laughs> no, no, so even even in the... When they write it as uh, George with the J, that's the Portuguese version of George, because that's the first culture that uh, Japanese got exposed to the name George from. Mm. I guess, I don't know, I kind of like him being Jorge, though. He looks like a Jorge. <laughs> um, but one thing I was going to point out is, so in the Japanese and English versions, the voice is the same between George and, like, the and the announcer. In the Spanish version, for some reason, it, I, I might be wrong, but the voices sounded significantly different. So even when oh. they did, like, the scene where they reveal it, where he's, like, doing the announcer voice, it straight up sounds like a different person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, like, I, not just <laughs> changing his pitch. Yeah, like, they fucked like it up. <sighs> there, There is one unanswered question I had. Why was he in that costume? Like, I mean, I know he's in disguise, but, like, why why that costume? That, that would bring more attention to him than, like, hiding who he is. We talked about it in a previous episode. I think that all the guy, all the characters were supposed to be dressed up sort of like fucking variety show announcers, but, like, it it doesn't make sense. I got you. Like, the, like the um, uh, yeah, I remember we were talking about, like, the two guys from that S... From the PC Engine game, J- Jay's Jazzy and Jeff. Uh, I, I forget the name of the Japanese version of it, but yeah, um, that, I know what you're talking you, about. But you know what? Yeah. A- anyways, uh, where were we at? Sorry about that. Um. So it show, the next scene is Kurama. Um, he's preparing to leave for Human World, and um, that he's preparing to go home, and he and Yusuke. Um, are talking, and Yusuke says that he'll head to Human World soon, but he has to take care of some things first. Um, Hiei attempts to give um, his hair Seki stone to Karama to get back to Yukina, and Karama's like, oh no, <laughs> he, he doesn't accept it, and he's like implying like you should bring it back to her yourself. Um, Karama, like Yusuke and Koema, talk again, and Isuke, Ikoma, like, officially confirms that Isuke has been fired permanently as spirit detective, and Isuke's like, okay, and he runs off happily, um, <laughs> and there's, like, this exchange with, like, Botan asking, what should we do with all the food that we've collected, and Kwanma's just package it. <laughs> so then Isuke, because another scene where Isuke in the Ghost Horizon are just having a little chat about, oh my god, the birds and the bees. I don't think that's what happened. No, I mean, he's like, I mean, he's like, you know, go after the girl you like, don't do what I did, and be stupid and not contact her again. Was this in the dub, with the dub? I mean, it was in the Spanish version, too. I I think I I guess, I don't know, it kind of, you kind of sounded more like him just wanting to sort of living his life and come and visit me sort of thing. Yeah, in Japanese yeah. it might have been less direct, being like, see your friends, including Keiko or whatever. I guess. I get. Uh, yeah, well, in I'm English not, it's more like, up. see Keiko, you idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then this is the narrator part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it ends with, like, as a 14-year-old boy, Yusuke was hit by a car, now with friends and memories locked in his heart, he looks forward. He looks toward a new adventure, being all grown up. <laughs> I hate that spinoff. It's yeah. really bad. Like, Jeez. oh, you talking about Rugrats grown up? Oh God! 
This is all so bad. I yeah, yeah. all of it is bad. Um, Everything is bad. I guess like do you guys have thoughts on this specific <laughs> episode? Because like while we're gonna get to thoughts about like these episodes as a whole, just talk about this episode real quick. Because after that, I want to read a statement from Togashi about how bad this ending is. Uh, it was complete shit. I did not like unsatisfied dislike yeah I, I feel like these last like these last six scenes could have just been like you know how in OVAs when they have like the parts between episodes like when it's mm-hmm. shown episode wise versus like otherwise they like play a song and then just like show the scenes happening I wish they had done that rather than have anyone fucking speak mm-hmm. personally I think they should have just this is how I think they should have done the arc so at the end of the of chapter black when they all separated and went their, their own ways it should have been like that, except it fades to black, and then the series just ends. No, I, I uh, really do think there's value to the beginning of the demon arc. They, it just didn't get I followed don't. up on. Like, I really think it sets up some of the coolest shit and then completely fucks it up. It's like if you saw someone do, like... You know, like, the a triple jump where you see someone do, like, two flips and then they're supposed to do one more flip? I feel they did the first two flips and then they're about to go over, like, a barbed wire fence and they got caught on it. Yikes. Yeah, that's pretty much it, I guess. But personally, I think it would have been a whole better series if they just ended at Chapter Black and ended on a super high note. Like, and maybe like kept this for like like when he's not tired as hell. But yeah, I guess I guess show one of that UU money. Yeah, one, one I guess if they had on. ended it like you know like <coughs> hit Yusuke being like I'm gonna go to Demon World and then just like Togashi being like Yeah, that was the end of my series. What do you guys think? Maybe I'll come back in 20 years. I guess, may uh, don't even do that. Just had them, like, go their own ways, like, you know, end it like, you know... Because they could have ended it at Chapter Black, and, you know, there's no problems. Everyone goes their own ways to go back to high well, school. Well, they, they introduced Ryzen as, like, the ancestor during Chapter Black, so that's why I'm like, Yusuke oh, probably right. should have gone back. Like, and they could have oh, that- just ended that way. Yeah, I guess. May- maybe don't even do that. Just, like, awakening of power, and I even say, oh, it's your ancestor fighting... Like, just don't even have that. Have him, like, do some over, like, you know, awaken some power and beat him. I don't know. May- uh, yeah, I just, I just kind of wanted Yu Hakshus to be super good and, like, be the best, but that arc, like, really killed it for me. Yeah, if it ended with Chapter Black, I honestly think it'd be a much more legendary anime. Like, it's, I, I still love it, but it ends at the wrong place. I think so too, and I you mentioned before how it, it almost set up to be like a war arc, it like a civil war sort of thing going on. If they just kind of followed that through, it would have been amazing, but that would have taken probably more um, than what more like effort and planning than Takashi probably at this point in his career like could have handled and i don't blame him if he's literally like killing himself by working too much yeah and that's kind of why i think chad black would have been good because it would give him a chance to rest the series and if he wants to come back do it if not just to go to hunter hunter mm-hmm. and like have that awesome well, he series. did level e first so i think um he, well, yeah sorry he wanted I mean, to do some e comedic that, yeah. yeah i don't blame him after this dark shit yeah yeah well, I mean, the end of Yuhak shows a joke. Hey, must be the money. Um, but yeah. So, if you guys uh, do, you, do you have more to say about this episode, or should I just read Togashi's note, fucking apologizing yeah, go, for this? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, so this is a. I forget where this is from, but uh, mm-hmm. oh, this was printed in the final volume of Yuhak show. Uh, 
if I'm honest, I'm feeling a great relief and pleasure at the thought that I've finally been able to finish Yu Show. It's not that I've lost all emotional attachment to the work, but I feel that my stress levels had greatly surpassed my will to work. The six months leading up to the concluding chapter felt awfully long to me. To tell the truth, it had already been decided that Yu Hakusho was going to end in December 1993, or rather, this was a decision that was forced on the editor- forced on me by the editorial staff. There were oh no, forced on the editorial staff by me. There were many reasons for this, all, uh, all in all, about 50 big and small ones, but in broad strokes, these were the major reasons. My body, thoughts I had about about what it means to draw manga, desire to do other things than work. Point three is out of the question for a professional manga writer. Basically, I wanted to indulge in my hobbies, rest, and sleep as much as I could. Most of my 50 reasons fell into that category. Point one, my body, was caused by point three not being fulfilled for too long. From when Yu Show began serialization up until the start of the Dark Tournament, I had half a day off every week in which I caught up on sleep. Other than that, all I had time for were occasional naps, and I'd indulge in my hobbies by sleeping less. For a while, I quite enjoyed this. But my HP, as they say in RPGs, was gradually but surely falling, and around the time that I wrote a 31-page one-shot, simultaneously had to do color pages, my heart began to hurt every time I went without sleep, and then it began to hurt more and more often. I, I think he means his literal heart. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's what I, I mean, like, yeah, like, like, as in heart issues. Yeah. This was when I seriously started to think about the pace of the production for manga. I thought, I probably won't be able to keep regular hours, but if I sleep as much as I want to, when I want to, how would I be able to produce? I tried it out. I immediately began to fall behind on my schedule, but I tried to get some sleep every night. Around this time, my feeling about writing manga as a profession began to change. I don't want to die from overwork. If I die, I want it to be I'm having fun or when I'm drawing manga for fun. Color pages are scary. One-shots are scary. I also began to use some time before going to bed to relieve stress. I fell even more behind, and at that point, when Sensui and Yusuke were fighting, this reached its first peak. But also around this time, I realized I was starting to experience a different kind of stress. Because I had stopped overworking my body and started to relieve my stress, I was feeling stressed that I couldn't draw manga in a way that satisfied me. This is where point two comes in. I believe anyone who draws has a desire to attract people with their art. But this is an ambition that I had suppressed for a long time. This is because back when I had just had my debut, my editor at the time had shown me a manga page by Hagiwara Kazushi uh, of Bastard. I felt that if I were honest with myself, my art would never be able to compete with something like this. But I was never able to throw away my ideal of being able to draw manga without help from other people. A few times from uh, a few times during the run of Yu Hakusho, I finished my manuscripts all by myself. All these instances were when my stress levels were at their highest. I don't know if anyone will understand, but when I was stressed because I wasn't satisfied with my manga, and only way for for me to relieve this stress was for me to draw all the manga by myself. As a result, those chapters ended up horrible. Both the chapter, uh, both the characters and the backgrounds were messy. The one shot, two shots, Karasu versus Kurama, Yusuke versus Sensui, the scene where Yusuke meets Ryzen. I drew most of these alone. The latter two were finished in a half a day before my deadline, as a reader guessed and criticized for uh, criticized me for in a letter. This might mean I failed as a professional, but I was satisfied. I had already started to think that no matter what anyone says, no matter how messy the finished pages were, I just wanted to draw this by myself and I had no reason not to go through with it. 
It saddens me to say this, but I had uh, I had explored every possible direction for the Yuhak Show characters that I could in the context of a professional publication. All I could do at this point was to start deconstructing the characters or go on repeating the same storylines over and over until the readers got bored. My attempts to deconstruct the character were, of course, turned down by Shonen Jump. I didn't have the strength physically and mentally to keep doing the same thing over and over. So I went ahead and did what I had always wanted to do. If I ever manage to have a long serialization in Jump, I will end it on my own terms. That's a quote from himself. I knew that Jump dropped a manga after 10 weeks if the reader surveys proved it to be unpopular, and I knew this when I started working for them. The system proved encouraging for me, and I learned a lot by being aware of reader reactions, but ended up wanting to draw manga for myself without thinking about anyone's reactions. I don't believe that anything I came up with on this premise will live up to Jump's standards, so I will not try. In conclusion, I ended Yu Show because of my own selfishness. I'm sorry. Fuck that. No, he deserved to end it. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like... So, that's one of the things that really annoys me the most about, like, like Shueisha. Like, I think it's kind of... I just Wait, does Shueisha entire... own Shonen Jump? I actually don't know. Yeah, Shueisha does. Okay. <clears throat> it's a parent company. So, like, I disagree completely that, you know, that he did it for selfish needs. He did it because he needed to not die. Well, I mean, like, I think th- so- that is selfish, but, like, it's a selfishness that's understandable and should be done. Yeah, like, like seriously, I, I don't... I don't know. I, I don't consider that selfish. It comes that more, you know, you know, trying to save his life and like trying to live a better life. Like I, I don't know. Like I always come to have selfish. Like you know, you do something in your own needs and it's like forget everyone else. It doesn't matter. I need to do it just because I don't like it and it's not gonna affect me negatively. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Well, this one's like he's literally going to die. Like you know, when he's like having heart issues, it's like it, it just makes me like. It just flabbergasts me that the working conditions these people are under and these deadlines and, you know, oh, yeah. the, the the stress of the reader survey is like, oh, if it's not good enough, you know, they're going to drop you, going to drop you completely and just like, oh, bye, no, not going to work with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, this whole, it's a whole cultural thing, too. It's like. Yeah, you know Japan's I mean? pretty bad about that. There's like literal words specifically about overworking to death. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is like. It's like working conditions that are like to the max. I mean, if there ever should be a reason for a union, it should be. Well, I mean, a reason for a union, it should be for something like this. I mean. Oh, yeah, where you're working yourself to death for sure. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people are critical on unions, but like, this seems like a really reasonable reason to have one. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, holy shit. I mean, it's like, I mean, I think crunch time is bad in the tech industry. Like, this is like crunch time times 20 forever. (laughs) Crunch and you're getting paid less. Yeah, I mean, these guys aren't making millions of dollars. I mean, maybe if they're making tons of money, like, over, like, th- 300k a year, maybe, but, like... They're not. Like, they're Jesus. Not. Like, these guys are... You can make them better living, like, g- going to a regular four-year degree and, you know, working, like... You know, I mean, I don't know Japan, how programmers are, but, you know, just in that area. Um, So, programming doesn't death. pay as well as it does in the States in Japan, per the cost of living, but it is still a very good, secure career. I got you, but but yeah, and that I it's just that that point. It just drives me insane that these you know these people are like these fans are acting this way. They don't know this, and Shueisha is like, oh, why are our mangakas dropping these mangas and making poor quality? It's like, well, it's because you have <laughs> this is the way that they're living. They have these deadlines, but mm-hmm. you know, another part of me thinks that if he did take his time on it, we'd probably still be waiting on Yu Hawk Show to finish up. No, but, I, know, I think he would have finished you, Akasho. Um It would just take a longer time. And I'm not saying that it's justifying that. It's just like two of those coins where, yeah, if he had the extra... 
if he was given this and had a regular sleep schedule and, you know, be able to not have those deadlines, it might still be going or be finished recently. I think it probably would have finished in, like, 2000 or something. 2000, that's that's mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's still it's still crazy how much they work, these people, and there's still mangakas that are still cr- chugging away, like, um, like Detective Conan. That's been going on since 94, I think, the manga, and it's still going. I think if you write something that's more episodic, like <coughs> Detective Conan, you can do that. Um, I think it's very rough on people who are writing something more serial. That makes sense. But to be honest, yeah, like, that's more episodic, and it does have its serializations, but for the most part, I, like, especially those giant series like Yu Yu Hakusho, it's insane. Yeah. And maybe, maybe JoJo, it's a little bit better because he can just restart it after a while and do another Yeah, art. he also got famous enough that he was able to start working on a monthly, uh, sh- like a monthly magazine rather than a weekly. Mm. Yeah, and that, that's pretty good. I mean, it's going to prolong the anime, but it's better than him dying, so I guess, you know. Yeah, I, I think monthly is, like, honestly the way that I like things. Like, when you read them in retrospect, it's just torturous when you're, like, actually, like, reading it week to week. Because then yeah. it's just, like, so slow. But in retrospect, it allows for a lot better creativity and a lot more rest for the creator. But, like, you have, have to get have to a level quality. of... Yeah, quality. High, high quality. You have to get to a level of famous before you're able to get into a, a monthly magazine and make money. It's just ridiculous, though, how, how backwards that is, though. Yeah, it, it does really suck, sadly. Um, I do think it's interesting they point out a couple of the things that would sort of go into the creation of Hunter x Hunter, like the idea of deconstruction and like being able to take things at a more relaxed pace and the idea of like choosing your own destiny as opposed to it being pushed on you, because those are all themes and factors that affect the development of Hunter x Hunter, and I'm really looking forward to getting to that soonish. Yeah, actually, do you know Shonen Jump is that? I I, I thought that moved to monthly. Isn't is it still weekly? I think Shonen Jump has a monthly has a monthly because uh, like I guess when they moved them monthly. Yeah, no, I guess when they just moved them monthly. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I'm not sure. Because My Hero Academia is like that's coming out, but that's pretty slow from what I've heard. Like the volume release, so yeah, I'm, I always thought it was. Monthly. I'm not sure. It might be monthly. Who knows? I hope to God it is monthly. I but, mean, geez. but yeah. Um, I, did you guys, like, catch the little part about how he, like, basically proposed to the editorial board, like, hey, can I make this a deconstruction, because I think that could be a cool way to go ahead, and he was turned down? What yeah, do you mean, de- mean deconstruction? <laughs> Sorry, what, Patrick? Um, so, I'm kind of confused, like, what do you mean? So taking, like, what we already know the characters, and kind of turning them on its head. So decon- classic deconstruction is, like, taking existing stereotypes and archetypes of characters or plot lines and kind of subverting it in a way or completely taking it apart and presenting it in a way that makes you think about it in a new light. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Evangelion know, but... is a deconstruction of, like, the giant robot genre and is sort right. of like a mirror, a weird funhouse mirror of Gundam. I see. So you just want to take the story and change it to where it's not like a typical shonen mm-hmm. yeah. archetype sort like, of thing. And, and that's that's heavily reflected at Hunter Hunter, where people are just like I've mentioned this to Patrick before we started recording, where the mm-hmm. like a couple of the characters join a fucking fight league, and before they get to like the championship of it, they're like, "Wait, why the fuck are we doing this? We just did this to get some money," and so they just leave <laughs> the fight league without ever finishing it. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that doesn't surprise me that they would. They would shoot that down, though. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's cool though that like the legacy of Yu Hakusho got bigger while he was making Level E. So when he came back for Hunter Hunter, he was more famous. And after a while of doing it at a fast pace, he was allowed to call the shots with regards to when he would do it, when he wouldn't. So is is Hunter Hunter on a break still? Uh, last time I checked, yes. But Hunter Hunter goes on breaks pretty regularly. There's a I think there's like a. Uh, I'm not joking. I think there's a Git repository that just posts like a small commit every time Hunter releases a uh, every time Hunter releases a uh, manga chapter, and the reason being that it shows Git graphs of like, hey, when was Hunter Hunter being published? <laughs> I see. Ho- hoping put no- can you if you know what that is, can you send that to me? That actually sounds kind of cool. I forget if that's oh. a Hunter Hunter one or a Berserk one. Let me check. I gotcha. Cause yeah, I'll just follow that. But no, that's. I mean, to be honest, I kind of would prefer that short breaks and have the mangas because it's kind of like, I, w- I want him to live his life and live and not die. Oh my god, I found it! It's amazing. All right, send it to me on 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 uh, on Messenger. I'll subscribe to it and follow it. Yeah, it's called a Hunter Hunter hiatus chart. It's a uh, hiatus hyphen hiatus dot github dot io. Gotcha. Uh, did you guys have any other anything you want to talk about? No, um, I know Megan had some last minute observation notes. So we could quickly go over it. So basically, yeah. Megan um, saw that these episodes reminded her of the end of Evangelion, but not as interesting. Um, me, mostly because it involved a lot of weird um, flashes in terms of animation, a lot of flashbacks, and heavy on the emotions. What am I fighting for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot of confusion, identity crises happening, a lot of uh, weird Oedipus complexes. <laughs> uh, so it was very on brand to be kind of like Evangelion. And, the, and then... Koto was really horny, horny or horny. I've never seen it so that way. I, I think violence. it's horny. Horny. It's Medea uh, being horny. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I'm just imagining Keiko in like a giant Medea suit, or K- no, Koto in a giant Medea suit. Oh no. Junior, uh, Kawanma is was always giving, like, very sweet insightful commentary on the fights, um, but they basically meant nothing. Yeah, uh, Kuenma is pretty much useless in this entire arc. We, yeah. He took to the role honest, of Kurama, where he says something that sounds really intelligent, but it's just saying normal shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Kuwabara you're thinking of. Kuwabara says something the heart, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think one of the biggest issues I didn't like about this is that they completely removed Kuwabara. Yeah. And, like, didn't even bring him up or mention him since so that little flashback, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, it's interesting because Kuwabara used to be, like, watching as kids. It's like, oh, Kuwabara's so annoying, blah, blah. He, he was almost unanimously one of the most disliked main characters in this series. And I think when people screw up, and rewatch it again. He became one of the most appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I really, I think... you really miss his presence here in this arc. Yeah, he's always been mm-hmm. my favorite from the start. As soon as he was like, "I really wanted to fight you. Why'd you have to go off and die in the beginning?" Aww. Like it was like real bromance right there, or abusive fighting bromance. <laughs> I guess. Like, I nice. Um, I was gonna say, I think, I think 
Kuwabara made the right choice for him as an individual, but the wrong choice for the series. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, he made it for selfish reasons. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I honestly think he made a realistic choice for himself because he realized he couldn't fucking compete with these dudes who all became S-Class and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty OP. I mean, he was, like, on the level of, of Kurama and Hiei during that that fight with Sansui. I think he kind of realized implicitly that that's kind of where he topped out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, but, you know, look at all those other guys. People thought they topped out. They had, like, 200,000 yeah. and then lost in the first round. I don't know. I think to some degree there's an implication that humans can't really get past Class A. Because, like, uh... Kuroko is, like, Class A, and they kind of mention that, like, anything above the power of King Yama is considered Class <clears throat> S. And so I have a feeling that all the people in the human world are Class A or lower. So is Yusuke technically Class A, then? He no, no, Yusuke, Yusuke is not a human. Oh, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, he, he's a human plus. Like, and the only uh, reason Sensui was able to get past it was because he f- discovered, you know, sacred energy. Like, he effectively became a demigod. I guess, but I mean, I can imagine Korbara doing that. I mean, it's it's an anime, for God's sakes. They can figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, but I, I just think that, like, basically they, at the last moment, were like, oh, Korbara, you, you're going to have to face, like, the real world at a certain point. You know, you're going to need to get a job, etc. Meanwhile, Yusuke, mm-hmm. it's like, Yusuke, you're literally, you know, the son of the ruler of one of the realms of Demon World. You're going to have to deal with Demon World <laughs> shit, so you keep going. To be honest, I couldn't really. Even if they bring him, I don't. I couldn't see what he's he'd be contribute besides being the the cat caller, the calling in the 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 audience cheers, like what what uh, what you know, um, Botan. The, yeah, what George they were like during the dark were. tournament. Like, I mean, there's no way he would have been able to participate. I mean, he could participate, but he'd get destroyed in, like the first round. Yeah. Yeah, unless he became like a strategist <laughs> character, which is not in his character. So, like, yeah, they had to write him out, and like, it also makes sense for his own personal growth. Mm-hmm. Still bullshit, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, any Megan's positive thoughts, and I agree with this, is that. Um, she thought the art and animation was very appealing, and it seemed like they were given more time and budget slash sanity <laughs> for the art style. So the arcs had a lot of potential. Kind of ironic, considering it was the opposite for Takashi with time and budget and sanity. Um, the I, story I, I think decreased. the way that Megan intended this was, hey, given more time and budget slash sanity, oh. these arcs had a lot of potential. That's true, you're right. Yeah. They should have just like fixed it in the anime. Yeah, I mean yeah. I feel so they were probably just... trying to end it too. Probably. Damn. But the, the animation was really well done. I would say, like, mm-hmm. um especially like um Karama's um and Hiei's episodes. I thought the animation and style was really, really good. And because um, I know in the manga similar for the similar reasons, like his art style suffered quote-unquote suffered a lot. I thought it was pretty good, honestly. But, like, it was very... If you guys ever reach it, it's very sketchy in comparison to the beginning of the Yohakusho manga where it's, like, super crisp, clean lines. Like, but obviously, like, a lot of fans and stuff thought it was, like, a slight downgrade in quality. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I like a lot of the shots during the Yomi Yusuke fight, but like I recognize mm-hmm. that like part of the weird style was necessitated by like budget and time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do we want to go through these themes, or...? Um, we could real quick, if you want. Oh, there's only one theme, yeah. so that's good. Okay. So the main theme that we <clears throat> gathered from these episodes was goodbyes and growth. Um, so throughout these episodes, Yusuke and Kurama reflect on their lives through their final battles, and the final outcome of each battle is supposed to be a showcase of the growth that they each have endured through their journeys. Yusuke went from a dumb, headstrong kid with being relatively aimless um, to a man who's fighting towards something um, of his own. Of his own. Kinko, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, basically finding his own path and his own role in life versus just existing. Um, Karama fully embraced his human side. And so, from transforming from just a ruthless demon um, to someone who values other people. Um, and he learned to quell his, quell, quell his darkness um, and gain control of his inner demons. But still an edgelord. Yeah, yeah still an edgelord. Still hell of an edgelord. <laughs> he would be a, definitely an e-boy in today's terms. I don't know if you Okay, wait, that. can you explain e-boys to me? Because, like, when I heard e-girls, I didn't get, like, a goth-type image or, like, edginess. Okay, so I thought it was e as in, like, electronic rather than e as in no. edgy. So e-boys, e-girls are basically... Similar to emos nowadays, where they have aesthetic of wearing a lot of, like, darker, hot topic clothings. They, like, kind of take the hype beast thing with, like, the anti-social social club. And they wear, like, some makeup, and they love anime, and I'm butchering this. I'm sorry for anyone who's into the culture ahead of time. I don't mean to offend you guys. But they kind of, like, um... The antithesis of, like, the Instagram aesthetic where they really emphasize more, like, alternative style. So they post, like, sadder lyrics or they listen to alternative music, like 1975, for example. Is it still, is still adolescence and all those other emo bands, like, they yeah. remember still a big thing? Like, gotcha. what's, like, the one that, other than, um, the one that sings Jumpsuit, Jumpsuit? It's like 21 Pilots? Yeah, 21 Pilots. Oh, well, I would consider 21 Pilots being emo, or like but emo not, goth, though. But they're not. It's like e-girls, e-boys aren't goth or emo. They're just alternative to what's popular. I gotcha. It's kind of like, you know, so it's like a lot of like, there's where they're more likely to wear like makeup or more like play with like femininity ish and stuff at least with e-boys and they just like wear a lot of piercings and like they use tiktok these tiktok is it all em- everyone that's emos on tiktok yeah so it's not emo my... sorry goth goth and e e-boys e-girls. yeah so instead of using myspace they have the tiktok <laughs> and yes and the e-girls are similar with, like, the colorful hair and makeup and doing a certain face that is seen in a lot of adult anime as, like, part of their selfies. I won't elaborate on more. Adult what anime. That's a good yeah, way of putting that. anime, yes. <laughs> exactly. They uh, do those faces. Oh, the Ahago. A- a- yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I personally am not a fan of that, but I won't. I'm the I best Ahago model. 
Uh, <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah, anyway, um, if any, any no, girls, any boys out there, I apologize if I misrepresented um, you guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, they, should be, they should be known as a hey boys and a hey girls. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. And so last theme is like the werewolves in this series are meant to be ambiguous in temporary episodes. Um which explore uh, leaving the familiar behind and entering new journeys. We see this theme mostly through Yusuke and Krama, um, leaving the spirit slash demon worlds and embracing their humanity and coming to terms with the other halves of themselves. Krama says goodbye to Yoko, uh, for now, maybe. And Yusuke officially leaves his post as spirit detective. It's pretty fitting because not only are these characters saying goodbye to each other, we're also saying goodbye to the show that we've grown to love slash analyze. And with this last arc, it may not be the most exciting or satisfying, but we can look back at this series with much fondness. We can we can remember all the good times we had yeah. from... Um... From making fun of how many torment arcs there was to making <laughs> jokes on on semen. semen. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's a little bit more to the series left. Um, next episode, we're going to be covering the final episode of the show, one twelve, and some uh, extra material, uh, which we'll probably link in the show description. But long story short, there's a uh, I mentioned it earlier. There's a manga called Sensei Hakusho. Which is about uh, one of the manga assistants who helped Togashi make Yu Hakusho and his recollections from that time. It's a cool, interesting account about the making and like what it was like to work with Togashi. Uh, additionally, I mysteriously found the DVD, the final DVD Yu Hakusho commentaries online, and my mysteriously found it's weird that it coincided with when I got a DVD drive. Um, but uh, I've posted them, uh, and we'll be talking about that. We're not going to talk to them in depth because there's no point. Because then we're just doing a commentary on a commentary. We're just going to listen to them and like kind of summarize and talk about some of the points they bring up. Um, but yeah, the next episode is kind of going to be our uh, farewell to the series itself. Uh, some talk about the production of like what went into it and like the voice actors around it. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys are ready for that. Um, I think even with how bad some of these last episodes are, I think all of us still really like the show. Uh, maybe Patrick less than the rest of us because he didn't grow up with it. Well, I, li- but- I, I like it. Like I think I still get nostalgia for Smile Bomb. Like I, I tear up and you know get like kind of kind of choked when I hear it. Cool, cool. Yeah. So we'll we'll but talk I, about I like all it. that. I like I like it. I just said I like it a lot. I just don't think it's in my top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a lot of animes I watch. It's not as bad as Land of Lustrous, though. That show is a piece of shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, don't watch Land of Lustrous. That was bad. Okay. So, thank you guys so much for listening to the Yu Yu Hawk Show. Your support means all three worlds, human, demon, and spirit, to us. We'll be back next time with a series finale and a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. So please hit us up with questions, requests, or just chat at our Facebook at the Uhawk Show with two O's and our Twitter at the Uhawk Show, or buy us some coffee at kofi.com/slash/theuhawkshow. And remember that you can now listen to us either on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast, or soon to be on vinyl. Ooh, vinyl or. 
Well, it's like tapes. Isn't that the new thing nowadays? Cassettes. Cassettes. <laughs> Only like five cassettes to do one, one of our episodes. Yeah. Anyway, see you guys. See ya. See ya. Yeah.